Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe and internationally. Today, Global Council team members Rishi Patel, Matthew Dewan and Adam Terry discuss Labour and the future of corporate regulation. Hi, my name is Rishi Patel. I'm a senior associate here at Global Council. Um, I'm joined today by two of our um, policy experts in the energy and financial services team, Matt Dewan and Adam Terry. And we're going to be talking about the prospects for a Labour government and what it means for the businesses and investors, um, particularly in these two sectors. So um, I'm going to start off very briefly kind of giving a bit of an introduction um, about how we at Global Council um, view this, this particular topic and um, talk a little bit about the politics. And then we're going to move on to Matt, who's going to talk about energy, and then Adam, who's going to talk about financial services. So I think a couple of things um, strike me when we're thinking about you know, labour and, and its proximity to power. Um, first thing is really that labour is probably closer in power than you think, or that many corporates and investors that we work with might, might think or realise, um, given you know, the fact that they only really need um, 13 seats to be, become, the la- become the largest party. Um, so, so the prospect of some sort of coalition or confidence and supply agreement with um, other left-wing parties like the SNP or the Liberal Democrats is a, a real possibility. This is also kind of particularly exacerbated at the moment given the rather frenetic um, political atmosphere surrounding Brexit and the constant prospect of uh, yet another um, snap election. So we really are kind of you know seeing seeing this as a, as a likelihood. But you know as I alluded to, having said that, the you know the a majority is 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 tough for Labour. They need sixty five seats to to get a majority of just one, which is quite a large um, you know swing compared even compared to the last election where they outperformed and you know did did very well more better than than many commentators had previously um, expected and that's also at the backdrop of some kind of mixed polling for for the leadership you know Jeremy Corbyn is is consistently behind Theresa May um, when, when people are asked about who they think is is the is the best candidate for prime minister and in a recent poll conducted for YouGov um, the number of proportion of voters who said they didn't know was even higher. Um, and finally, we don't know when, when, when this next election might be. Obviously, the, you know, the, the 2022 is the date scheduled for the next election, but an early election is always a possibility. So here at Global Council, we're always looking at this and, uh, and, and what it might mean. In particular, um, I'm going to turn now to, to talk to Matt about um, energy and Labour's views on, on energy policy. So why, why, Matt, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about where you think Labour sits on energy and climate change policy. Okay, thanks Rishi. Um, I mean, for most people, uh, the issue of nationalisation is the big one. We're actually going to come back to that uh, in a minute. I think the interesting place to start really is looking at the climate change agenda, which has really moved on quite a lot in the last year. I'd start with a sort of reflection that I think among the senior shadow cabinet figures, Corbyn McDonnell and Long Bailey, who's the shadow uh, base secretary, um, I don't think for any of them climate action is a kind of instinctive area of their political backgrounds or of their previous activism. And, you know, I think behind the scenes there's been quite a lot of work going on by sort of members of the party and advisors who want to kind of push them a bit more in this sort of area. And we've seen some successes from that point of view. So, you know, I think 
the decision to go for a net zero 2050 emissions target was definitely um, quite a big signal. And the fact that it was in the Corbyn speech, I think, you know, demonstrates that this is probably an area where they're going to put a bit more focus. And just kind of around there, I think, you know, on the one hand, that's obviously a reflection of the importance of climate policy in and of itself. But I think one of the interesting areas to look at will be the extent to which they see it as a kind of point of difference between them and the Conservatives going forward, politically speaking. For example, another area where Rebecca Long-Bailey has majored quite a lot, in fact, is around opposition to fracking, which suggests that actually they see this as an area where they can make some political headway. Just kind of to kind of round out a bit more on the, on the climate policy, um, we're starting to see a much more fleshed out version of what that might look like. Um, some quite ambitious targets that the parties come out with, so 60% renewable energy, electricity uh, and heating by 2030, uh, 85% renewable in power, so that's about seven times as much offshore wind as we have now, a doubling of onshore wind, which is currently um, essentially blocked by the current government, and a tripling of solar PV. Now, these are pretty ambitious figures, but they're not kind of completely out of the realms of possibility. Um, and at the moment, I think uh, the plan is to come out with sort of more fleshed out details later in the year. So we'll look forward and we can have a look and, and at those in a bit more detail. What, what would you say, you know, Labour's thinking is on the, on the green economy agenda? Sure. So, I mean, I think the green economy is somewhere where they're going to want to pitch themselves, actually. Mm. I think what, what has happened is previously they've possibly um, been a bit cautious around this <coughs> sense that being kind of too front foot on decarbonisation is going to hurt them in some of their... Uh, previous heartlands, particularly those kind of industrial sectors, people looking at the decarbonised agenda, thinking, you know, uh-oh, what, what does this mean for me, for my industry, for this area, uh, for my constituents? But I think partly because, the, you know, the green economy really has taken off in the UK, this is a genuine success story, and partly because I think this offers a chance to kind of square that circle. I think they're going to try and major there. I mean, kind of a neat encapsulation of this is that around Brexit, um, I can't remember who it was now, said that you know, the, the Labour coalition is between Hampstead and Hull and they've had too much Hampstead and not enough Hull. Mm. Well, the nice thing about this is that actually uh, Hull is home to thousands of jobs. It's where they make the blades yeah. uh, for the offshore wind industry. So, you know, it can appeal to that kind of heartland, but on a progressive um, platform that will also appeal to Hampstead. So I think, you know, that's kind of a very interesting area to watch. I think just to finish up on this, I think... Uh, not strictly the green economy, depending on how you categorise it. But I think nuclear power will be another interesting area as well. Uh, Corbyn clearly instinctively is not a big fan of uh, nuclear, but in terms of the trade... tension there, I think, as well, between lots of policymakers and more labour on the labour side. Yeah, I think that's right. But but clearly, given the the influence of the trade unions, um, they've ended up effectively being supportive, and I think that's probably where they'll stay. Great. Um, And, you know, we said said finally you'd come back to this, but, you know, a lot's been said about public ownership and there's been an evolution I think in thinking between um, you know the 2017 manifesto and even more recently so just tell us you know your latest thoughts on on, on that and where Labour's going there. Sure so I mean I'd make the distinction between um, the kind of nationalisation agenda on energy and those in other sectors um, and I'll, I'll focus on the, the energy side of things I mean I think we've still got a bit of a disconnect really between some of the rhetoric that we've seen Um, So John McDonnell is usually the most kind of front foot on this sort of thing, you know, saying things like, we'll take energy back into public ownership and and the actual policy that's therein behind that and the sorts of messages you get from talking to other people in the party about these sorts of issues. So 
you know, official policy is effectively that what they want to do is to take back into public ownership transmission and distribution, which is the pipes and the wires, effectively. And at the moment, it's not policy uh, to kind of target the big six, uh, which are the big energy suppliers, which is usually where the kind of political debate uh, sits on that. So, you know, for, for the moment, I think it's very important that uh, investors and companies look kind of beyond those political headlines, but with the awareness that this is a moving uh, this is a kind of a moving picture. There's still more work being done on this. I mean, I think if I was the energy companies, I would uh, take some solace and some comfort from the sort of kicking that the water companies get because yeah. uh, it suggests to me that they're not first in line. Yeah, no, that's it, definitely. Thanks for that. Um, now I'm just going to turn to Adam, who's also who's also with us here. Adam's our practice lead for financial services. So, you know, Adam, what? Can you summarise what, what you think Labour's view is of the financial services sector as a whole um, to begin with? Sure, thanks Rishi. I think, um, unfortunately for the financial services sector, I think in a, in a sense they are, in Labour's view, the sort of poster child for what they think has gone wrong in lots of ways with, with the economy. And I think what I mean by that really is that I think where they see what should be, in their view, a fairly quiet behind-the-scenes industry that that offers a means of funding and financing what they would term the real economy and much more sort of productive investments, those sorts of terms, they see instead a sector that has become an end in itself and uh, has sort of run away um, from what its original aims should be, in in their view. Um, and I think if you add to that the fact that it's, it's politically quite an easy target for Labour at the moment, I think that... Um, you know, one of the things that happened towards the end of last year was a, a, a note written by Morgan Stanley was leaked in which they, they said that Jeremy Corbyn's Labour was a threat to the government. And I think this was uh, a threat to the country. And I think this is something that, you know, previous Labour leaders would have fallen over themselves, I think, to try and smooth over the damage of that and reassure why they're not a threat to the country. In fact, what Jeremy Corbyn did uh, was to film a video saying, I am a threat and they're right to be worried. Well, uh, to the industry, not to, to the country. To the, end, <laughs> to, to, to the financial services industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But saying very clearly to them, this is uh, your right to be worried. And that did not really do him any harm at all amongst the people that already support him. Uh, and I think he will have taken some kind of uh, hope from that, that actually I can give these people a, a bit of a kicking and it does quite well. Connected to that is the fact that actually economically they're quite an easy target for this the Labour Party as well. The, the 2017 manifesto was a, was a pretty big tax and spend affair. Um, but actually, interestingly, for all of their professed radicalism, uh, what we've seen in the last few weeks is a Labour Party that's actually still very wary about raising personal income tax mm. anywhere. Uh, and quite controversially, John McDonnell did not oppose any of the income tax cuts that, that, that uh, the Chancellor, Philip Hammond, introduced in his budget. Instead, whenever they're pushed on those things, those, uh, the, the shadow treasury team pivots and talk about why are we not getting more money out of corporations and big businesses. And then you look at things like the bank levy, which I don't think will, would go anywhere and, in fact, might well increase under a Corbyn government. You look at things like ex extending tax on, on derivatives trading, and I, I think they see a politically easy target. I think they see a, a, a way of positioning themselves against the sector so as to demonstrate their values and I think they see a source of, of revenue in the future. So all of that combined, I think, makes it makes it very much in the spotlight of this Labour uh, Party. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the personal taxation um, issue is, is very interesting, in my, in my opinion, because it shows that they don't want to go into the next election, you know, oppose, uh, 
actually saying for individuals we will raise your taxes but act, but they're happy to do that for corporations because they see that kind of dichotomy between the individual and, and you know an enterprise yeah I think that's right I mean the, the, the risk obviously that comes with it there's a, a big risk for, for businesses themselves as being seen as the source of all this funding but there's also a risk for, for labour and that ultimately uh, it's not an endless pot of money I think yeah. the, the, the suggestion that we can anything that we would have raised from people we now raise from, from businesses, businesses yeah pretty simplistic way yeah. of looking at it um so you know we talked briefly about the, the 2017 manifesto and and how it was you know pretty pretty com- perhaps a, a conventional in, in european standards for you know a social democratic party of a tax and spend um kind of approach much more so than what we've had in the uk for, for many years on, on the center left um but a lot of you know commentators corporate investors are, are thinking about how thinking might develop between that 2017 manifesto and the next election, whenever it may be. So have you got any kind of thoughts on, on where that policy might be developing from what we've seen so far and we've heard so far from the, from the shadow front bench? Sure. I think this is quite interesting because what, what we've actually started to see is a, is a bit of a change in tone from uh, John McDonnell in particular, but the, the, the shadow treasury team as a whole. I think there was a there's often been talk of the idea that what was put in the 2017 manifesto was just the sort of tip of the iceberg and in fact what what was lurking behind that were a set of even more radical ideas that that, that uh, the party was not prepared to put to paper um, and you often you know I often find speaking to people in the city this nervousness that there is a sort of hidden or secret manifesto or agenda sitting behind the 2017 manifesto for a long time, I think a lot of people uh, in, and ar- in and around the Shadow Treasury team were, were trying to reassure in that sense and say, no, 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 what you see is what you get. Um, we've set everything out in the, in the manifesto. But actually, and I think part of this is to do with the increasing self-confidence of the Corbyn leadership team and those around them, uh, is actually we are seeing things start to develop. And interestingly, what John McDonnell says now is we will have put everything out in public before the next election. It's a, you know, a, a different way of phrasing it, meaning there will be another manifesto and obviously things would have moved on. We've seen that start to happen. I think John McDonald's conference speech with an announcement on employee share ownership that proved very controversial and hadn't really been trailed in the manifesto at all, really, other, other than a general instinct of wanting to do more in that space. Um, I think where people are, where people should look for other examples of where the thinking might go. I think Graham Turner, who wrote a report for Labour on investment, um, that gives quite a good sense of the sorts of things that they're looking at. And I think you know one of the areas there is around a much more subjective way of talking about investment and about the the if they were to become the government, the government of the country trying to incentivise investment in particular directions. They talk about kind of you know getting out of uh, investing in housing assets and therefore inflating prices there, the, uh, a more of a sense of, product, uh, of investing in productive, mm-hmm. however you, you choose to define that, uh, investments. And in fact, one of the organisations that would play a role in that would be the Bank of England. So changing to some extent the independence of the Bank of England and giving it not just its traditional kind of uh, price mandate and, and interest rate policy, but looking at a much more activist, interventionist Bank mm. of England. So I think those are the spaces to watch at the moment. It's really a, a means to serve other productive parts of the economy rather than a means in itself as, uh, yeah, to, 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 to generate profit, or as, as they as they would would view it. Yeah. Probably also the same for, from from the perspective of energy, as you know, in order to kind of 
service service the economy we they want to kind of have a have a, a strong publicly owned um, energy sector or yeah, I mean, just just one final point on that. I guess, um, you know, we talked a bit about the green economy. I think there'll be an interesting, particularly depending on what happens with Brexit, you know, the extent to which the party starts talking about how to use state aid in these sectors, mm. whether we'll look at kind of con- UK content requirement, all those sorts of things. And, and, you know, energy and this whole new round of infrastructure that's going to have to go on looks like a pretty interesting area if you're, if you're yeah. coming into government. Definitely. I think there's a lot to be said for the idea that they see financial services as a utility in yes. the same in the yes. same way that the the same energy, way that. water, and other yeah. things are as well. These are all about, in some cases, literally the plumbing that under, yeah. that, under, that underpins the economy, and they shouldn't be out there as, as yeah. things in and of themselves. Which is it would be a fundamental shift in terms of how we view view the sector for for you know the next compared to how we've seen it in the last twenty five years. Certainly, yeah, over that time period. Um, I think I'm, we'll just finish by I'll ask you both you know a question given if you were a corporate or an investor looking um, at, at either sector, what, 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 how would you, you know, want to engage on these issues? What, what, what advice would you give to a, to a company that's planning or considering the prospects of a Labour government? Maybe Matt can go first. Uh, okay, well, I think, um, I mean, I think if, you, if going into that kind of uh, energy and climate space, I think I would be advising companies really to think about now, how is it that they can tell quite a rounded story in terms of their positive impact? You know, on, on the green economy, if you looked at uh, the way that Labour was talking about it during conference, it was very much kind of jobs, that kind of, you know, their view of what an industrial strategy should be, as opposed to what the current industrial strategy is, you know, investment, and particularly with a kind of regional focus. So I think anything, anything with a story around, you know, regional development, employment, industrial strategy is, is going to be on the money. And Matt, um, Adam? I think from I think from my side, one of the key pieces of advice would be to not to assume that that some of this more radical rhetoric around finance will go away anytime soon. I think a lot of what the uh, Corbyn administration or the, the Corbyn leadership of the Labour, Part, Labour Party has proposed uh, taps into public sentiment that is genuinely there, um, and I think uh, that's. Uh, that's telling for the sector. It's you know, Labour in opposition are already changing what the Conservatives in power are doing on financial services. So, this is part of a broader dynamic that isn't going away and needs to be engaged with. Um, having said that, I think I think one of the things uh, there's two things I would say on, on the financial services side. The first is that uh, Brexit provides this very strange inversion of everything we've just really been kind of talking about on, on, on financial services, where actually. Uh, John McDonnell takes really sort of uh, perverse delight in the fact that on Brexit, Labour is the party of business, is, mm. is, is the, the party that's advocating for closer ties to the EU and therefore for, for financial firms, the ability to continue trading across border, and it's actually the Conservatives that are putting that at risk. There's an in there to sort of talk to uh, the Labour Party about those things, and also it's, it's telling in and of itself, I think, the way that you can see, particularly John McDonnell, Reveling in that slightly and enjoying that that sort of role and, and the support that, that comes with that. So there's there's an in there. I think the second thing is to say is to look at the areas where Labour's overarching policy, not particularly on financial services, can be served by a, a well functioning finance sector. And you know they want more in, in investment in infrastructure across the country. They want uh, greater kind of capital flows. Uh, they wouldn't describe it in that way necessarily, but they want more money going to productive uses. They want better provision for people in retirement. They want a 
you know, lower housing costs, which is achieved by having a greater housing stock. Finance is needed for all of that. So I think going with the grain of the way that the party's talking about productivity, uh, about savings culture, about inclusion, about mm. bringing consumers in and, and greater financial inclusion, there are those avenues that to, that, that to go in, but there also has to be an element of realism about the way that this particular group of Labour politicians views the sector, and there is damage repair to be done, first and foremost, as well. Definitely, but, but still opportunities to have a productive conversation. For sure. I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks very much for, for, for your time. At Global Council, we're constantly following you know, this and other political trends very closely in the UK and also um, in, in Europe and across the world. Um, and I hope you'll join us again for another podcast at some point soon. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.co.uk and subscribe to our mailing list. You can also follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.